Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive radical social evolution. We had to pause all regular programming for this coming week and do an open mic around the events that happened at the Capitol this past week and uh, the domestic terrorism that went down at our very own Capitol. I'm super excited to welcome Savonia DeBarros to the mic. She is a woman of color. She's a protector of athletes. She's a boy mom. She's a three-time best-selling author, a biz, entertainment, sports, and entertainment lawyer, and a fellow podcaster. This is a busy varsity human, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, her resume is impressive. Her energy is impressive. And her mission in this world is, is deeply impressive. So this is a, a phenomenal conversation, deeply poignant for the given the times that are, we are in right now. Uh, as you know, few of us have the right answers. We know it's going to take some time to to really figure out what's going on in America and how we fully address it. But this is a powerful conversation that points us in the right direction. And I really appreciate Savonia's time, energy, and dedication to make this world a better place. Enjoy this one. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm excited today. I know I said that every cast, but this is uh, a serendipitous conversation. We had some very crazy events this past week in the United States of America. And uh, as you know, we do open mics on Turmeric and Tequila. And I, I this was a, a gut-wrenching point where I was like, we got to pause and we have to talk about this and address it. And it, it, I really would love to have a person of color on for this conversation and someone that's close to the law. And sure enough, I was on my link LinkedIn and Savonia, a new connection. I don't even know how we initially connected was on there. She actually was posting a really nice compliment she had from another client. And I'm like, gosh, I, we're, in, we're, in for, we're first connected. I, I wonder if she'll come on and have this conversation with me. And sure enough, she agreed. So uh, without further ado, Savonia DeBarros, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Thank you so much for the invitation. It is such an honor. And like I said before, I love turmeric. <laughs> Dude, I, I hope you love tequila a little bit too, but turmeric is one of the best things you can consume. Let me tell consume. you, my favorite drink is a margarita and it's okay. made with what? Tequila. Yes, <laughs> yes. See, and uh, she's also, I'm going to read a little bit of bio here, but she's a D1 athlete, a yep. lawyer. Uh, she's a child book uh can I say author. Book? children's mm-hmm. book, children's book author. <laughs> author um but we're and we're going to unpack so much of this because if you listen to turmeric and tequila you'll know that these are points we talk on about all the time but here's uh Savonia's quick 411 she is the founder of sl debaros law firm a boutique practice dedicated to serving our clients uh, their clients interests through business employment and sports and entertainment through this practice savonia uh, DeBarros has handled million dollar value cases, settled five and six figure cases for clients and also helped clients get their lives back through successful trial wins. Uh, in July 2019, she published a children's book, Jojo's Legal uh, Adventures, where she introduces bite sized legal concepts for children. Um, and she's got multiple books out. Like I said, D1 athlete. I'm going to that's all I'm going to say about you now, because I'm, I'm going to let okay. you talk about you from there. OK, so I'm just going to correct you just a little bit. So please Jojo- do. Jojo's Legal Adventures, and you guys can go to the website if you want to see the content that's coming out, but uh, that is the brand that houses all of the, the books, the children's books for these kids, and the passion behind that is when I became pregnant, um, well, I'm a lawyer, of course, I wanted to start reading to my child, so I was talking to my baby while he was in the womb, finding little books that were so cute, I found this, this, um, 
this book series on, it's like technology and science. And it's so cute. And some of the books have like different little kids from um, different ethnic groups. And one of the kids actually look almost just like my kid too. So by the time he was old enough to get up, see it and recognize it, he actually pointed to the book and said, that's Jojo. <laughs> I know that's not Jojo. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to read books about the law to my child and in the midst of doing that and, and just seeing him around, but also being a woman of color from a black community raised by black parents, I am very much aware of how this country treats us. And I'm also very much aware of the ignorance that our people have when it comes to their legal rights. And so everything that I've done, and I don't, I don't even know why, but my passion for the law always comes up. It's always a point of conversation for people because I want you to be educated. And that doesn't mean that just because you didn't graduate high school or college that you're not. Some of the most smartest people out here probably didn't even you know, obtain a, a degree. They're just naturally smart. But when you fail to find the, the places in your life that lack where you are not aware because of the lack of education, that's gonna be a problem. So I wanted to fill that gap with my own kid, but the problem is we have to go back to the crux of why the black and brown community is so, why, why we're so far behind. Why are we the majority of um, the people in this country who suffer uh, a, a crazy percentage of incarcerations or death by police officers? Why? Because we don't know our own legal rights. And so JoJo's Legal Adventures, inspired by my little baby. So here's the first book, JoJo Learns About Credibility. So this was him pretty much kind of like, <laughs> At 10, 11 months old, I had them kind of build him up to look like he was two years old. But that was the first book, JoJo Learns About Credibility. And it was important for me to drop this book because we had been, we were in a few years now under the uh, Trump presidency. And it showed how people who can occupy a high space of power, how their credibility was just not intact. And we tell children all the time, tell the truth. You know, if you want, if you want a, a great outcome or you want something, you have to tell the truth because otherwise no one will trust you. And it's the same thing that goes back to the law. When I am in trial or I'm interviewing a client to determine whether I want to take that case on, I'm looking at you, I'm evaluating you to see if you are actually credible. And if you're not, I can't deal with you. If I was to put you in front of a jury, they would see right through your crap and your credibility would be the thing that kills the entire case. So that's a little bit of about the children's book. The second book I, re I recently dropped this year called Jojo Learns About Voting. So that one is just taking the voting nugget and getting kids excited about what that concept means and why their voice matters. Um, I'm also the published author of What Are You Sporting About? So if you've seen or looked up my name somewhere, you've probably seen this brand everywhere, What Are You Sporting About? The brand was inspired by this book. I was terrified to write it, but when I wrote it, I just felt so great about it. And even in this book, I introduced legal issues because that is who I am. Um, and I also represent six and seven figure business owners, including athletes in business. It is my duty, like 
my passion to make sure that my clients have all the tools in their arsenal to be successful in life. And part of that is ensuring that their business foundations are in place, but also understanding and knowing what your legal rights are. Um, I, I love that. I, I think, um, God, the athlete conversation is a whole thing in itself. Cause as you know, a, a competitive athlete D one or even amateur competitively, when you graduate and you don't go on professionally, you lose such a major sense of who you are. And that's a whole conversation in itself. And I have that conversation with athletes all the time. And I always love working with fellow athletes because you get this very intense um, set of life skills early on, commitment, dedication, uh, working with a team. And there's so many phenomenal things there. And that's why uh, I love these conversations, whether it be the law or athletics for our young humans. So they start to foster and develop these life skills really, really young. I don't think most people know the law until you're in a situation and then you learn it as you're going through the system. Right. And, and I will fully admit it's a, it's a different conversation for white people and people of color. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say for everybody, the system is also a business. So if you don't come correct with knowing what's going on, regardless Thank of you. how you look, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on. And I've, I've had to learn right. a few things the hard way. And I promise you, it's worth it. So I think it's incredible that you have these books for young humans to cultivate the conversation, to open up the doors for the parents to have the conversation. And you have some representation where you have children of color um, in books that quite literally yeah. look like your son, because uh, yeah. they are. <laughs> so I think that's amazing. And I, right on time, I mean, I know we, as, as in white humans, were so late on so many mm -hmm. things. And that's why I'm so grateful for conversations like this, because I don't know how we catch up or if we ever do, but I know that the yeah. learning and the listening has to continue. Um, what was some of your first reaction? Uh, well, actually, let me ask you this first. What was your initial passion to get into the law? Like were your parents lawyers or what was the nope. initial step there? <laughs> parents are not lawyers. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm going to digress just a little bit. My mom is a math and science person. That's all she's ever done. That's what she loves. Now she's a dean of a middle school down in my hometown in Gainesville, Florida. Shout out to my mom, Iris Bailey. But I had a conversation with her some years ago and the neighborhood or the town's people were asking her to be the mayor. And I had a hard conversation with her. And I told her, I said, look, I know that this is not really how you think. You, She's never really liked history and law, stuff like that, more theoretical stuff. She, When I say math and science people, they are straight, you know, and like math, mathematical equation, everything has to add up. Within the law, it doesn't, it just does not. Um, but she was like, I don't know, I don't know how to do that. I don't know if I wanna do it. And I told her, I said, look, mom, if we want things to change, we have to be courageous enough to put ourselves in the positions where we can actually make the most change. This may not be a position that you would have ever seen yourself occupy, but if people actually believe and trust in you to occupy the space and a position that can create greater change. Yes, our town is like so small, but still it's changed nonetheless, right? You don't know where those kids from those towns are gonna grow up and then they go off and occupy other spaces and what they're gonna do because of that, right? And so now my mom is the mayor and she's been retained. I think this is her second, what do you call it? Like sec second term or something? Term. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what was your question? Uh, well, how what was your initial path into getting like be passionate? Right, like, why do I want to be path. a lawyer? Yep. So none of my parents are lawyers at all. I don't come from a legal background. I remember having a conversation with my mom. I was so little, I was four or five, and she asked me what I wanted to be. And I told her I wanted to be a lawyer. Now, fast forward 
some years later, I think I probably was in college and we were having a conversation and we, we were talking about that moment when I said that was what I wanted to do and be. And she, she stated to me, she couldn't understand how basically this baby could think of being an attorney. Like that's a big thing. Where did she see that? But she, she was not going to tell me that I couldn't do that. So she just, she said, she just shut her mouth and she said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, and through my entire life, I've never heard anyone say you can't be a lawyer. I've never heard anyone say that. So I call myself first generation lawyer. I'm the first lawyer in my family on all sides that I believe. Um, first lawyer in my family, first lawyer to actually own a law practice. And it's hard, you know, going back to one of the things you said before, when you don't have representation, you absolutely don't know how certain things are, are supposed to look or supposed to be. And it's, it's hard, you know, even you as a white woman from, you know, the majority race in this country, there are things that you're probably going to embark on where there may not be a representation for, but you've had to figure out that path for yourself so that you can be successful. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so just, just the burning fire and gift and purpose within me that actually put me on this path to actually being a lawyer. <laughs> I love it. It's, I, I always, and myself included, I always say, go back to your young self and remember when you're unbiased by the world, your parents, yep. any influence, like your little authentic self, when you have your hopes and dreams and it's just, it just was what it is. Like, I, I really think we are who we are at a very young age and we know so many things and that starts to dilute as we get older. Cause you know, environment, whatever. Um, we started listening to too many people. It's so funny. Cause I just did an episode on this yesterday where the first book, the first chapter in, in what he's pointing about is the dreamer, because we're so caught up on trying to heal our inner child that we forget to celebrate the wins that our inner child gave us. My inner child told me I could be a lawyer because as children, we're not afraid to dream, you know, and the bigger the dream is, the, the better. But so often we listen to those outside people in the outside environment and all the folks that are around us that are not doing the things that they probably should be. And so we start seeing and putting ourselves in the same boxes. Like we can't achieve those things. And it's not true. Well, and then it it builds into this whole cycle of unhappiness and like hurt people, hurt people. So now you're influencing and you're killing other people's dreams. And it's like this whole situation. Um, And it, it, I mean, it's, and it's remarkable, like you, the older you get, the more like evolved and smarter and educated. And yet all right. you got to do is get back to that young, unbiased self. It just- I know, isn't it something? It, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money. <laughs> um, but, and, and I liked what you said, it doesn't really matter who you are, how you look like. I will, of course, acknowledge it. It's very different conversations for how you look. Yeah. But my initial passion for inequality was because I was the oldest of four and I was the only female. And I saw- I'm the early- oldest of four. Oh yeah. It's a whole, whole tribe of humans. It's God bless my parents. Uh, it's a whole, that's a, a lot of humans, but, yeah. um, everything was like the boys do this and the girl does this. The boy, And my parents were very like encouraging like yours, like yeah. everything was positive, but society, I saw it. Like I remember being at the dinner table. I've talked to this cast before where my grandfather was like, Oh, professional baseball. Keep in mind, I didn't even play baseball or softball. None of it. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, the boys can do this. They can make millions of dollars. And I was like, well, I can do that. Why and I just I remember in my mind being like, who's this to tell me what I can, and I don't know that, that so right. this was my very early on passion of like inequality. And then you magnify mm. that for race and race and gender combined. I mean, yep. there's just, so that's my little identifying like factor of like, we, we got to change this. And then, like I said, mm-hmm. it magnifies as you change the conversation, but 
Yep. I, I do think it's important for everyone to understand that it's no matter who you are, there are these challenges and these conversations just have to continue. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so as things were breaking out, uh, I believe it was Wednesday, the Capitol was under yep. siege by a mob of Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And I, and even in the Republicans, I've talked about this, I don't, I wouldn't even say that's a fair representation of Republicans. I think these are just people's, that, that, and they cannot be called mm-hmm. protesters, it's domestic terrorism. <laughs> I, I, I wanna be very clear in that yeah. language. And, and I will say, I've, I've been proud of our news media for being very clear mm-hmm. and using those terms. Right. Um, we never Some know which way some yes facts yeah. <laughs> uh, you never know which way and depending on what network you're watching on and right, you know right but what were your some of your initial reactions or where were you when this started to break out well i was home because of covid so i've been okay. i tried to minimize the outings that i have um so i was home <clears throat> i was actually this uh on wednesday i was actually working in the kitchen so i was sitting at the island and the news was just on and I was just working from there all day. Um, and I saw everything come on. I was like, that's pretty weird. So I just stopped and I'm watching the news. And I said, okay. And I just kept, you know, shaking my head like, hmm, okay. It was something that it didn't enrage me because I already knew it was going to happen. It already has happened. It's happened a long time ago, in fact, you know, and no one, no one put any measures in place. No one said anything really about the attack on Michigan. You know, when everyone stormed the Capitol there with guns in tow, it, it was already stated. But for me as a black woman, I know how I feel when things happen. I have experienced discrimination, racism, you know, so many times that black people can't get the recognition of the double-sided face of America because some things are, it's impossible to put it in words. Mm -hmm. You can feel it, you can sense it, you know, we can even see it. But when you say, well, what, how is, how is that racist? Some stuff you just cannot, you can't articulate because it's, it's so interwoven into this country. You really have to be, you would have to grow up that way to really be able to understand and understand the, the, the perspective that people of color are coming from. And our laws, unfortunately, are also presented the exact same way. Um, part of my civil rights representation for people is through employment law. A lot of people have come to me because they have been either terminated or suffered some type of um, what we call adverse possession where maybe there's a demotion or um, cutting wages because of who they are, disability, uh, race, gender, sexuality, and before sexual orientation wasn't even, wasn't a, 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 a particular piece to discrimination laws, the Civil Rights uh, Act. It wasn't at first. I think that's like now maybe two years um, old in the making, but people have been experiencing this type of discrimination for so long, but what happened on Wednesday showed us exactly, and I, I, I'm going to say this, it didn't show me anything. It, it only just <laughs> basically put the cherry on top. That's yeah. everybody else who live every day in their privilege, who decide to turn a blind eye on what America is really about because they are armored by that particular privilege. This was the thing to say, you can't ignore this. And they shouldn't have ignored it when they attacked Michigan, right? 
So yeah. they had really a group that was, um, uh, it wasn't the mayor. I can't remember. It was, it's a female. It was the mayor. Was it the mayor? And they had, they, they captured a group that was going to go, like had plot to go assassinate her. Kill her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that in itself is ridiculous. And you guys, let me tell you something. Trump started his presidency and ended it the exact same way. Okay. With chaos, with um, disruption and not positive disruption. I can understand someone who does not fit the mold, who want to come and disrupt what politics is all about to make something greater and better for the American people at large. But since his a commitment into office. His only talks have been about one particular group of people. And even then, I mean, if, if we're talking about white people at large, come on, there are white people in so many different social economic statuses that some of the stuff he even say doesn't even protect some of those people. Mm -hmm. uh, he's never thought about how repealing um, the Obama Act will impact even his people. Some of the poorest people in this country are white people. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, yeah, I, and, and, and Affordable Care Act is one of the things where even your people can get health care. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so this man only cares about, I'm going to be real, he's only, he only cares about one person. Even the things he say, the incitement that he makes for his base, it seems as though to them that he cares about them. But all he's doing is um, creating an army of people to support his own individualized interests. And that's not what America is supposed to be about. But unfortunately, America, this is America. This is how America began, by stealing my ancestors from their homeland, by building this country on our backs, by, you know, um, building this country for free through us. And then when we are allowed to be free, imprisoning us and causing us to work more without anything, taking our men from us, splitting up our families. You know, this is, this is who America has always been. And until people get on board with that, then something real may possibly be able to change. Yeah. I, I very well said. I, I think that when I was watching it as a white privileged human, uh, safe in my home, and and I just I agree with you. I I, I no part of me was surprised. The, mm -hmm. I, I felt just a deep like sadness. Like this is what it had to come to for us to like really wake up and see what's alive and well and living and. Mm -hmm. And I, we just did our year in review cast and you saw these white males, Epstein, Weinstein, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, Roger Ailes, like these big guys, like good old boy club where everything just went yep. and it was kind of like a house of cards and it's yep. it, this disruption, these themes are happening all over and it's taking this major breakdown breakthrough for this final, like this uh, pivotal point to finally yep. happen in this awareness where I do think some people know what's going on and they don't know what to do, but the majority we mm -hmm. live in our little myopic space and we don't know what's going on. So yeah. it does take this. And my point of actual, like just fear was these, all these humans are unscreened and this is a gun toting population. Like, so full and, and, you know, and our senators are in there and people like, you yeah. know, they're just trying to do their damn job. And, mm -hmm. I, I, and this is like a chaotic group. And I wouldn't even stereotype them yeah. as Republicans. It, yeah. Although obviously that's how they identify mm -hmm. their Trump supporters. But what I what I see when I, when I saw that whole thing, I was like, God, don't they understand? They are literally a used brainwashed human shield for this <laughs> one individual that is, it was like a bad theme party. Like you see like the wolf head thing or the horns and like face paint. Yeah. I'm like, are you trying to be Braveheart? And then yeah. 
you know, anytime my, like, as I've grown up and you try and get through like conflict resolution and you like, before you, you know, go to execute a conversation, it's what are the desired results? And I was seeing this, I'm like, what are these humans desired right. re result of this? Like right. blow the place up. We go, the votes go through anyways. You, when you, you have right. this mass destruction, you go kill people, you d destroy all these sacred, you know, sacred things. Yeah. Um, of our nation, which the history we could, that's a whole other podcast, yeah. but <laughs> insert eye roll. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's just crazy, like how this can be in, in the, and I will say this, it was some boss ass move for them to go back and finish. Of course it didn't change things. We just, mm, here we are to waste time, mm -hmm. but they got it done. And at least they made a statement because the rest of the world, they were tapping in being like America, WTF, like what mm -hmm. is going on and we're yeah the most powerful i'm doing air quotes if you can't see us mm -hmm. nation in the world so well, people love to say america is the greatest country i beg to differ yeah Being what is person, great who, who what does that even mean i mean when you build a country out of the blood sweat and tears of a nation of a of a continent okay with different people of their people yeah. how is how is it the greatest country you understand what I'm saying? Because black people still have not been given the recognition that we deserve, period, point blank. Now, going back to what you were saying about what the end, what the desired end result would be, this is what happened Wednesday is the epitome of, of people who do not know who they are, okay? On every level, every level. When you do not know who you are, you will be more than willing to follow anything and anybody. I grew up in a spiritual family and we call it um, like false prophets, right? Mm -hmm. So anybody can present themselves as a, a let's just kind of turn this to biblical really quick. People can present themselves as, as leaders of God and they'll preach all kinds of stuff to you. But if you are not finding who you are as an individual, you would not have the discernment to really understand, is this the right person for me to, to meet, for me to follow? Because everyone is not equipped to lead just because they may be in a position of leadership. They are not equipped to lead. Now, one of the things that uh, Trump should have been asking himself prior to occupying the White House was how, what, what is the legacy I wanna leave from this presidency? How do I want the American people to think about me? How do I want the rest of the world to view me when they read the history books years from now to think about what my presidency did? In my opinion, in the presidents that I've, I've been old enough to experience, he is the worst president in American history ever. I mean, I mean, come on. I, I, like you said, I think, I don't know, cherry on top is the right metaphor, but it's like, it was the, the fireball on top of the firestorm. I don't know what it, but it's, the exclamation point to exactly what you just said to like is this real like it it's ridiculous how, how do we even get to this point like most powerful greatest however you brand it as a branding professional go ahead it's smoking yeah. mirrors this is why we started turmeric and tequila because yeah i can help you know decorate yeah. anything but we're not changing the product or substance or whatever the, the truth is still the truth yeah uh, it, it's 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 remarkable like you have to you have to really see how many of all the, the the wrong things had to go just right. So this would be exactly where we're at. Yeah. And I, I really, I mean, knock on one on the Yeah, I think mm -hmm. I seriously agree with you. I, I think yeah. I pray this is the pivotal point. And I yeah. I see our, our young humans and they're 
ability, you know, social media, we can argue is good and bad always, but their access to knowledge, uh, right. their ability to question a better way so much earlier. And just like you said, their ability to foster their truths and get to know themselves and not give away their value so easily. Yep. I do think we will see some of these things uh, evolve out. I hope. Oh, yeah. I hope. I, I, I hope so too. But I, it's the sad part about all of this is is that we actually have not moved the needle. Yeah. This is my opinion. <laughs> I don't think we've moved the needle. Have we advanced? Yes. But in terms of race, racism, and social justice and equality in this country, we have not moved the needle. We can, we have a group of black people protesting for social justice, for, you know, a, a yearning for respect and equality so that our black women and our black men are just not killed and maimed for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we get branded as thugs. With our protests, we have the entire army waiting for us. But on Wednesday, what we saw was that this mob of white Trump supporters who have already shown and exhibited how far they are willing to go to injure someone, I mean, to even threaten a public official, and no one was prepared for that. Yeah. It really shows the two-sided face of America, and unfortunately, there are children who are coming from those individuals, and if those children are incapable of growing up with their own mind and being able to set what standard is right for them, we will have another generation of children. I mean, why do you think we're still at this point right now? Because the it's old it. men from slavery, slavery days, that's what they're teaching their children, their grandchildren, this yeah. is how you're supposed to be. And guess what? They go out into the world and they, they re, um, what's the word? They, um, they put that, that type of, of conduct back into our communities. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? They that's the word. They, they recycle that type of conduct and behavior over and over again to suppress another race for, for nothing. So my question is, why are you scared? Yeah, if you yeah. were that scared of us, why didn't you leave us where you found us? Yeah. Because black and brown people, I will say, are some of the most hardest working, dedicated individuals in this country. Do we have problems just like some other people? Absolutely. But if the reason why we're constantly being murdered by the police or being basically given death sentence by judges who shouldn't even be on a stand is because you guys are afraid of us, then you need to check your own self. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, everybody, like you said, that systemic play where it goes through and then uh, it's not only happening in your household, like nurture versus nature, like your environment, especially yeah. as a young human, that is what's defining your reality. So if your right. reality, if your parents are out there ironing their sheets for the KKK meeting, that's normal to you. And then Correct. so that's what you grow up and you see that. Uh, and it's I think that's a very hard cycle to break. And I again, with social media and like kids like infiltrating schools and as we become more of a melting pot, as right. slow as it is, it, it, I do think there are humans being like, this cannot be right. Like this is my yeah. best friend and my family's telling me to hate them yeah. because of skin color or religious well, that's beliefs. The or... That's the empathy component. Me yeah. as, a black, as a black woman, I've always had different friends of, of various ethnic groups. 
going to college was even better because I met so many different people. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm able to meet all kinds of people over the world. And as I've grown and been able to travel, which I can't wait to get back to, you know, I love meeting different people. They teach you different things about life. They provide another set of values that you can add to the value set that you already have. But if you stay, and we know this because a lot of those Trump supporters, we can say are just backwoods, country white people who ain't seen nothing but what has been put in front of them. I mean, let's be real. Dude, as a white person, I'm like, damn, that's how we look? Like, for real? I promise you I can read books. Like, this is... Okay, and you're saying that as a white woman for this mob that just happened. Think about the years and years of stereotypes that have been created about black people. I hear you. How dangerous we are, how dangerous our men are. I mean, they can, the cops can kill a little black boy in the park for playing with a toy gun. No one is convicted, brought to justice for that, right? But we're, we're considered at large to be a very dangerous ethnic group here in this country, regardless of how we've helped build up this country and continue to do so. You know what I'm saying? So think about that from your perspective. Dang, this is how we look. I mean, as much I've, I've I've genuinely taken time to think about that, and as yeah. much as as close as I can get to understanding, which I know I never fully will, I think about it. It's it's mind blowing. This deep, deep misrepresentation, like the stigma mm-hmm. that just exists into. I mean, professionally as a branding person, like this is what we deal mm-hmm. with with brands, and like clearly mm-hmm. it's not truly comparable. But just as like a, a, a lighthearted metaphor, like it's really hard to disrupt that mm-hmm. um, and change it. I, I did watch Dateline last night. They did a phenomenal uh-huh. story uh, with the three families of um, George Floyd. Um, oh my gosh, I'm Brianna Taylor, maybe? No, it wasn't no. Brianna Taylor. George Garland, I want to, or I think it was Gar. It was the G Garland. I'm drawing a complete blank. They had the three families on and it was one that was um, the person that was killed like four or five years ago and his grandmother had started the movement. So they connected and she kind of like helped them coach through this process. It was horrifying to hear. I love that it was on mainstream news. So again, so mainstream Americans can really start to see a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think those ma- main media points really will be the point to open things up. And even that is <clears throat> largely questionable. Yeah, um, because then the thing is, it, it may be in a large stream media, but then do you have the interest to watch it? true true but we were seeing it more and more so like i think the more it's out there and infiltrating those conversations Mm -hmm. you have less and less choice to like keep avoiding it if you don't want to and the thing is there's always going to people that are just are never going to change that's correct you know and unfortunately Mm -hmm. that's we just have to keep the guns and the power away from them so you know so they're not leading and like breeding more of those humans yeah um yeah what were, you know, as a parent, uh, mm-hmm. and like TV and like that stuff that's coming on, I was also thinking like, man, what would I say to my kids? I don't have children. I have three dogs that run my world. But what were some of these conversations with your son? I haven't because he's only three. He doesn't oh, okay, understand. okay. And the beauty, you know, when this was on the TV and I'm just watching him because he has no care in the world at this age. Mm. Um, he, <laughs> you know, he's just sitting doing his little thing and playing with his Play-Doh that he got for Christmas and just in his own world. And I look at him and I'm like, you don't even know. Mm-hmm. You don't even know the half because this will be a conversation I will have to have with him is how the world treats a black boy. And to be honest, my husband, my son, they are not just all black. They are Portuguese. You know what I'm saying? They are African. They are different things, but because of their complexion, America has said that they are black and that's exactly how they're going to be treated. Do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter 
it doesn't matter how light our skin is. If you are black in America, there are conversations that you have to have. And so I am preparing myself with having to have that conversation. Of, uh, luckily, I can have that conversation with my husband to talk with him about it. But still, there is... Um, my husband wasn't born in this country, okay? For most of his life, he has been here. But still, he was not born in this country. So even... even with that, there's going to be some gaps that we have to fill in, you know, for our son and bring my mom and my stepfather and people that we trust to constantly pour into him and to support him and give him the tools that he needs to be successful in this country. But I will say, I had a conversation with my nephew, Rozzy, and in this book, this character is two characters of incredibility. This character here, uh oh, yeah. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. He was inspired by my nephew Rozzy. Rozzy is half Cuban, half black. So fair. I don't think the boy gonna ever get dark. <laughs> but I had a conversation with him. This was a few months ago, actually. And I was in Florida at the time. Um, a situation had happened in school with him. I think maybe a month or two previous to that, where. He, I think he got uh, either suspended or kicked out of school. He's still in elementary because okay. someone claimed that he was going to bring a knife to school. And so, yeah. And this is like, this is my baby. Okay. Mm -hmm. He know, he calls me Auntie Bonnie. He know Auntie Bonnie loves him a hundred percent. And I sat him down. I said, listen, what exactly happened at school? And he told me, he said, well, he's so smart. He said, well, a kid asked me like, or the teacher, I can't remember who, but um, like, how would I feel if, if something happened? I can't even remember what the conversation was, but the way he described it to me, you know, it was like he was answering someone's question of what would be horrible or wrong. And then that was all flipped around, but the person he was having a conversation with was white. I said, so what happened to the little white boy? He said, I don't know. And I told him, I said, listen, no matter how light your skin is, you are still a black boy in this country. You cannot live by the same rules that they can live by. I had to have this conversation with my little nephew, okay? And I told him, I said, now you have to suffer the consequences just because of the color of your skin. You had to go to a different school because of that. You have to be mindful of what you say and how it will be perceived by mm -hmm. other people because you as a black boy are considered a dangerous person. Your color is dangerous to other people who don't look like you, you know? Yeah. And I asked him, I said, do you understand? And he said, yes, ma'am. I said, okay, I don't want to see or hear anything else about any other, you know, other issues. But the sad thing is, is that he can't, children, I mean, the older they get, yeah, they learn how to lie. But yeah. in the grand scheme of things, children are so honest they don't really lie. I mean, you ask them a question, they're going to give you the real, but then you persecute them just because of who they are based on the question that you ask. It's unfair, but that's something that we learn early on and we have to continue to live with that throughout our lives. So that's part of the conversation I've had with a Black child, not mine, of course, at this point, but um, I mean, the conversations are getting deeper and harder. I mean, Black kids who are 
traveling, I always tell my nephews, my older nephews, like, be careful. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you're going to get pulled over. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, we, we were driving back. Uh, I graduated college. This is totally going to date me. But in 2004, and we were moving my stuff from, I went to George Mason University, back to Colorado. And we were in, I don't even know, like the woods of Virginia yeah. or something. And thank God my brother was with me. And I <laughs> was driving a, a trailer. Anyways, I hit the toll booth and popped the tire. Like we're like 20 miles in. It was ridiculous. Anyways, we pulled over and it was dark out because we had a late start. And the guy that came over, Canada car is like, yeah, you can't do anything. Racial slurs, backwoods. And all I was thinking is, I thank God my brother's here. And I'm a white human, like in, and this is, I mean, by yeah, by myself yeah. as a female, I couldn't imagine if I was a person of mm-hmm. color, like, and this is me driving from my college. It's right outside of DC where it's very progressive. Yeah. And George Mason is like genuinely won the award for one of the most diverse schools in the nation. Wow. So my reality was yeah. flipped in college, which was wonderful. And then immediately like 20, uh, it's probably like a hundred miles away was this immediate experience of here's the real world. Like, here's what's really going mm-hmm. on. And I was like. God, this is like, you're, you're like one situation away from your entire world pivoting. Just changing. Yeah. And it's changing in, it, in an instant. Yeah. It's really, it's <laughs> uh, scary. Isn't it? I just want to say it's like, uh, it makes your footing just so unsure. Um, and there's just like such a lack yeah. of security. Uh, so I really, like, I can't imagine yeah. what it's like for anyone that doesn't look like me. Like it's, I, I live on edge every day, not in the sense that I'll be killed or mobbed by white people, but I live on edge to, and I stress myself out, I know it's ridiculous, but of not accomplishing things that I want to accomplish because I just don't know. I don't know what will happen to me. Will I be another Sandra Bland? You know, when I was in college in Tampa, I left school one day. They're going the same route. Didn't grow up in Tampa, so I take the same route because I don't want to get lost. And back then, I didn't really have like a cell phone where you got a full data plan. You can jump on the phone anytime, right? You got MapQuest printouts. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was paid, I think like um, paying for your plans or something like that. I'm driving home the exact same way from my class and all these cars in front of me, they're going the exact same way and then I get stopped. And the cop um, comes to my window and tell me that I should be driving through this road. And I see, I've always talked that because if something don't look right, it just don't damn look right. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I remember asking, why shouldn't I drive this way? All the other cars have gone and you've allowed them to go past, you know, oh, this is a, a crime scene. I said, well, if it's a crime scene, why don't you have any cones put out? So then I was flagged to go into another uh, area. I was able to call a friend really, really quick. And I said, look, I don't know what's about to happen, but this is where I am. Yeah. The black guy friend. And by the time he got there, I was already in the back of the police car because I wasn't taking none of their stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. I was in the back of the police car. And I remember saying there was a white female officer and there was also a white male officer. But I remember telling him because he was trying to um, intimidate me. And he was like, well, if you don't shut up, I'm going to put you, I'm going to take you to jail right now. And when he put me in the car, I said, I, I want to see you get out of this with the court to tell them why you had probable cause to arrest me. But see, that was me. I wasn't even in law school yet, but that was me who was yeah, always yeah. interested in, in knowing what my legal rights were, yeah, right? Yeah. Because if you have an accident scene, you put up cones, you block off the space, you redirect traffic. You don't let all these other cars go. And I'm at this point, I'm going to only assume that they're white. So you're giving sure, them the sure. opportunity to pass, you know, but then you get little old black girl me. And now there's a huge problem. Yeah. I don't know what other route to take. 
I'm just yeah. driving home. But that could have turned into something completely different. He let me go. Okay. You know, and I was able to go go back home. But I was so shooken from that moment, shaken from that moment. Um, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. And there are other stories that I have. I mean, I've seen a cousin beat down by the cops. Hmm. You know, it it's it's a lot. It's a lot. But these these stories are not they're not um isolated for black people. Yeah. You know, thankfully I can say that I'm here to tell the tale and that the cousin I seen that was beat down is still alive. Thank God. Yeah. But yeah. And I I I think telling the tale, if you, it shouldn't, it's certainly not anyone's responsibility, but I do think when you are willing and, and, and open to it, I think it is yeah. so important for people to hear and take note of, of what's going on and, and really try to understand last night in that Dateline episode, they talked about how, you know, all this infelonious is in the spot to like be on the mic. Here he is. He just lost his brother in this, the most unjust situation you've ever seen. And now he has to like step to the mic and approach Congress and, and he had to come into this role. Uh, and I just applaud him so much for taking that on when you're broken, you're hurting yeah. and it's not your job. This is not yeah. what this shouldn't be. This is not a situation you chose. And now you have to be the voice of something like right. that's shitty. Like who, right. And I mean, you're, and you're grieving. So, you know, and they showed some of his testimony and I don't know, I just really applauded him as a human for stepping into that. And, and it's yeah. not like he's a lawyer by trade. Like you don't, you're not mm-hmm. equipped with some of these skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I do, I, I applaud anyone that, that does take the time to share these. Like I truly do believe it is impactful and that is yeah. the right step into change. Even uh, every time I get someone to say yes, to come on to turmeric and tequila, particularly when it's an open mic, we don't know each other, even though there's a shitload in common, we don't look the same. And for someone to come yeah. on and take time out of their day, particularly a varsity busy human like yourself to, <laughs> to talk about this, it that that in itself just restores a little bit of hope and humanity for me. Yeah. Uh, and these small little things, there's so much to be done and there's so much to be lost in from yeah. my perspective. These little things, I'm like, maybe there's a way. Yeah, but we need more people like you. And it, it doesn't mean that you have to have a podcast just to talk to black people. I mean, yeah. we're everywhere. We're everywhere, you know, but it's gonna take people getting from behind that shield of privilegedness to step out into the field of uncomfortableness, to have the conversations that don't feel good, to say, what is it about my white privilege that have kept me in a situation where I'm unable to help a group that is so important in this country? Because I'm gonna be real, until black people receive the respect and the opportunities and the resources um, and the same justice that white people have in this country, no other racial group will be able to rest. No other group will be. They have to start with us. Do you have faith in the future and, and specifically in Biden and Kamala and what's what's to come? Um, I have faith in them that they will actually do better than Trump, but- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, I hope so, holy shit. I, I know, right? But the problem is it's bigger than them. It's gonna yeah. take more than four years. If, if they have two terms, it's gonna take more than eight years yeah. to fix. I mean, Everything that I thought that we were working up towards have completely, I mean, it's, it's just done a whole 180. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, I have faith on one end that they can do it, but it's going to take more people to take the torch and say, look, I want to actually step in and be the change as well. And that also means having people on board who don't look like us 
who realize that there is a real issue in this country. It is time to stop sweeping this stuff under the rug. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and, and for all the other racial groups who think that they can just skirt by without having to jump on board for our fight, like you have to join the fight because if you don't, you will not be able to rest. And one thing I don't understand is why, why black people constantly run to the aid of other racial groups when no one else is there to back and support us. You know what I'm saying? Wait, well, like, well, un yeah. Unpack that a little bit. Cause I don't think that's something that I've seen probably naively so as a white yeah. human. Tell me a little bit about that. I feel that because when you see Muslims berated as terrorists in this country, yeah. or Asians mistreated, or Hispanics mistreated, black people are always there saying, nah, that's not cool. You can't treat them that way. We're gotcha. coming to their aid. Even if you go on social media and you see people being mistreated by, you know, let's just say some white person doing something to an Asian girl or something like that. Mm -hmm. There's always someone black to come to their aid. But when we're down, there's no one coming to our aid. You know what I mean? Like we need more white people for police stops, for things that's happening in stores where people are using their white privilege to feel like they can do and say and treat us all kind of ways to step up to the plate and say, nah, <laughs> no, I know that he or she may not look like me, but they're still my sister and brother yeah. and you cannot yeah. treat them that way. We need more white people to step from behind their privilege. We need more people of color who are not black to step to our aid and join the fight and say, black people need their opportunity. They need the respect. And once black people receive that respect and those opportunities and that particular, um, the, the justice and equality that we've been fighting for for so long, every other ethnic group will receive it. Take this for instance, why in the world, COVID-19 has been the perfect storm, right? Because it put everybody in their seat. Black Lives Matter got huge, all right. A lot of protests got a lot of um, media attention. But it was only until the the social inequality of black people being brought to a heightened standard like that in America that now, oh, they want to change the red scans. Well, haven't red scans been? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, well, the the business side to me, I think the second we started to see disruption in the dollar, that's why I'm very passionate about obviously teaching our young humans and second, really yeah. teaching our, our consumers, which is everyone, how to consume and vote with your dollar. Cause I, I think that's almost, I can't say more important, but equally as important as actually voting yeah. because you disrupt the money, you disrupt the chain of command. And Absolutely. that's, it is what it Absolutely. is. But so, this country unfortunately have put black people in a situation where our money more than any other community circulates within it. Let me say, let me back up. Our dollar, I think only circulates one time in our community and then it's out to everybody else's community. When we built our own communities and had Black Wall Street, for example, but communities that were of color and thriving and we had our own money and the dollar circulated so many times before it went out, guess what happened? White people didn't like that because they wanted our money. So they they put something in place to keep us down to be able to take our dollars. And guess what? Our dollars make them more powerful. I'm probably one of the only people. Well, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I will boycott something in a quickness. Okay. 
If I know that my dollars are going to something that I don't support, I'm done. And my husband, he was like, damn, I got to put this on the list too. Yep. I'm a hundred percent with you. Once I read a company, cause I'm about the humans. I mean, that's what I do for a yeah. living. So once I know about the humans behind the company, yeah, I don't care. I don't care that much about anything. Like there's another yeah. brand for something else. Like yeah. I don't, they're in the principle there is I can't even do it. So no, I'm a hundred percent there with you. Like the mm-hmm. second something's noted, even if the human is mm-hmm. just rude or I just don't like yeah. the vibe. I just watched Ford versus Ferrari and I'm like, why did Ford approve this movie? Like, this isn't even race, but like this makes Ford look like an asshole. Like I would, I don't want to drive a Ford now. Like if I'm being honest, like, I don't know. Yeah. To me, those things stick. Yeah. Any piece of it. Yep. Yep. So, but it's going to cost us. It's, it's going to, as a black community, we have to first off, step out and courage, build our communities back and find ways to re um, circulate our dollars in our communities. So building our own businesses, finding other black owned businesses that we can reinvest in, because if we're so willing to put our dollars elsewhere, we will never be able to um, use our money for power. We will never be able to really have a say because we wouldn't have the dollars. Right. Right. You're right on, you're right on, on the money. (laughs) Well, it has, I mean, there's less black dollars being spent in black businesses because there's less black businesses so it's like i mean it's a cycle it's like the chicken and the egg we have to have each piece progressing otherwise the whole thing doesn't and there's less there's less bigger businesses that's that's willing to reinvest into black businesses yes because i think there's there's a ton and there's a ton of of entrepreneurs who are out there building different brands but guess what black people are still on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to um, having investors look into their businesses or reinvest into their businesses. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Like the, the social equality or justice across the board, I'm not just talking about with um, police brutality or um, with politics or anything like that, but housing, um, social economic issues, um, business resources, resources in your community, housing, all of this stuff is a part of, of equality. And we still don't receive a lot of that, a lot of the dollars that can help our communities to build. And the only question I can ask is why? Because we're out there. We are definitely yeah. out there. Yeah. I've seen it firsthand with loans and like, you can't get a loan oh, yeah. for even as a female, let alone yeah. a, a female of color. Like it's, yep. it, I mean, I've seen that very firsthand. Yep. Um, but again, when I see like the Roger Ailes and the Epstein's and all these guys, like these are the ones that are controlling a lot of the chips, like the minority, like meaning rich white men are controlling a lot of the rules right now. And that, but I see when this disruption happening and like our COVID's happening, like everything's kind Mm -hmm. of erupting. Mm -hmm. I really do have faith that like the system is shaken and Mm -hmm. do we have a long way to go? Absolutely. I, I, I just think now that we've had these pivotal breakdowns, yeah, I, I do have faith that the breakthrough will begin. Um, it has to. Like, I mean, these points of power are mm-hmm. disrupted. So mm-hmm. maybe it's something I want to believe in. And I'll be the first that I'm a dreamer at heart. Uh, yeah. but, it, well, but let me just say this. I mean, and you probably heard this somewhere else, but when you're so far down, the only way you can go is up. I mean, yeah, we look like total fools to the rest of the world right now. So the only way you can go is is up. I mean, there is, there will not be change overnight. And the negative disruption that Trump has created, he took four years to do that. 
it's not going to happen in, I don't think it'll happen in one term with, with Biden and Kamala. Sure. Just, you know, um, can we get somewhat back on track to where I thought things were going? Maybe. But now it's, I don't know, man. People, people are hurt. Like yeah. when I say hurt, here's my thing. Cause I live in a white suburban neighborhood when black lives matter and all that stuff was popping on the news. We don't do nothing to these people out here, but someone came and vandalized our garage doors. Mm -hmm. What'd they do? Like they egged, they egged like our house. Yeah. People and still so do that. Yeah, we were looking, we were walking the neighborhood and I remember looking at all the other neighbors' doors and their houses to see, cause I know kids, you know, play pranks or whatever. And nobody else's house was vandalized. I mean, we don't hide ourselves, we are who we are, you know? And we are the only black family in this neighborhood. But I was so pissed off and I know it's eggs and people may say, well, why are you mad about eggs? I mean, you can clean eggs off. That's the principle. Yeah. My, my thing is, what are you going to come back with next? Will it be guns? You know, will you try to hurt my family? Because then we're going to have a problem. I think at this point, um, and this, this, this right here is the icing and the cherry on the cake because the black community has already been injured. Too many black people continue to be killed by white folk without justification cops without justification and then you you do something else to to exhibit your hatred for me and you don't even know me I never did anything to you and so there's so much pain and hurt that is already out there right even if white people come and say look we're on your team well now we need you to really uh, illustrate what your dedication is. What is it that you understand about your white privilege? Why are you willing to take the risk and, and move from behind the white privilege? Because no matter how much you say that you're ready to do and you're able to be on our team, there's still a level of, of privilege that you have when you go places that, and it's not your fault that you yeah, were born yeah. the way that you were. But you're, you're going to have a privilege that we just don't have. And the problem is, are you willing to tell people, don't, don't give me that privilege? I know I look this way, but don't give me that privilege because I stand, I stand on this value. I stand on this standard. This is what I believe in. You know, but it's so much pain there because I'm telling you, when, once my house was egged, I screamed so loud. Like, I made a ruckus in this neighborhood because I wanted every damn body to hear me. Like, okay. don't cut Forgive me for curse, but <laughs> no, turmeric and tequila. It's all, it's all fake. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have, like in my neighborhood, I'm in Denver and I'm it, blessed for how progressive it is. Like there's tons of black lives matter. There's tons of things to say like buy Don for Biden, mm -hmm. but it's like, buy so my neighborhood is, is amazing like that. I will say, uh, but we're in like the heart of North Denver. So it's been diverse forever. Gentrification is obviously alive and well and happening. Mm -hmm. However, uh, we have this thing like called next door. So you can alert neighborhood, everything. I mean, is, and I think I those, that. yeah, people kind of, some of it can get a little too much. Like my dog ran out or who can buy eggs or it's, it's a lot. Uh, some people have a lot of time. Um, but do you have something like that where it's like, this is happening and like, this is how I feel. And I, I feel like this was a, a, a racially motivated, I hate to say hate crime, but it is like, that's against the it law. Is. It is. And the thing of the thing about it is the timing of it. 
where I knew and, and the bells in me, the red flags in me were just going off. I'm like, yeah, this ain't, mm -mm. Yeah. I knew that's what it was. Um, but even as a black, as a black woman now living in a white neighborhood and having that experience, I don't feel safe in my house yeah. all the time. You know, there have been cars that will come and just park and not visiting you and not leaving. And I'm calling the cops. And I know they're tired of coming out here because I'm like, look, yeah, I don't know what's happening. You know, so people have this guys in America that we're the dangerous ones, that we are, you know, going to harm somebody or do something. You know, I don't even, my husband's a, a big, tall, dark dude, okay? I don't even know how big my son may get because on the same, like both sides of my family, the men are just huge, okay? Um, but will, will his darkness, his blackness, his height be a, a, a danger to him just because of who he is? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, but dude, in 2021, any car parked out in front of your house and wherever you are, that's a red flag. Like, we don't do that. Like, you don't Girl, do that. Let me and, tell you, I called the cops so fast and the lady was yes. like, oh, well, we can't make the move. I said, let me tell you something. I <laughs> I love that you're a lawyer. Just shake them down. The cops. I said, let me tell you something. Somebody need to come out here right now and talk to these people and figure out what they're doing here because they were parked in between my house and my neighbors, now my neighbors are um, Polish or Russian or something, but they got two little kids, two little boys. Yeah. And they're parked right in between um, both of our houses. And I'm like, I haven't seen these people get out the car to go in nobody's house. So I don't know what they're doing. And I understand yeah. you can't make people move off of a public street, but right now this is making me feel uneasy. Yeah. Okay. And so then they came and the people, they left. But we, we got to get from thinking that only, and I'm not saying you, but just generally in this country that the only people who who creates a threat are black people that's just not true that that came up on dateline last night um i, I, I i'll look up, i'm literally drawing a blanket i just watched it um but one of the sisters of the fallen victims said you know they think we are the armed dangerous ones when actually the white officers are the armed and dangerous ones and i don't i don't even like to categorize all yeah. officers but mm -hmm. how do you know who's good and bad like how do you right. differentiate that i have a, a ton of phenomenal cop friends phenomenal and i speak very highly of what? all races and genders i have family of cops yeah and, and they're a, black yeah it's a hard combo man but Yep. I don't know. Um, for anyone that's listening, how do you, I have, I'm blessed to actually have a, a multitude of friends of color and some of them are my absolute best friends. And I've seen them have to deal with some of this process and I've seen different approaches. Um, one chose therapy, which has honestly been phenomenal yeah. for me because I get all these nuggets when we talk about yeah. it from her therapist. But like, what are some of these coping mechanisms that you do as, as you navigate through this space? I'm going to tell you something like, first off, I haven't done therapy on the sense of the justice issues, right? But during COVID-19, when George Floyd was killed, that was, that was my moment where I realized I, I had been holding so much in. And my problem, my coping had always been going to work, 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 doing whatever it is to take my mind off of the things that just hurt me or made me feel uncomfortable. In that situation, I literally, I was crying. I could not hold it anymore. I don't know George Floyd. I don't know his family, you know, but knowing, looking at him, looking at his family, I can see myself. I can see my own family, you know, and experiencing this stuff over and over and over again, it becomes so much. And I think 
for people of color, there is there is a um, I think we have some trauma there because especially as children, if you see certain things in your life, it you may not you may not go on to actually um, recycle that kind of behavior, what you saw, right? But that stuff stays in you. And I didn't realize until that moment how much that stuff stayed in me, right? Um, but one thing that I that I am looking into actually, because I lost a very important person in my life, November 2nd, my grandmother. Um, not no police or social issues, but still lost her. Um, I'm looking into grief counseling because when the perfect storm happens, the perfect storm really, really happens. And counseling is a great is a great thing, a good mechanism, a tool that people need because you're able to reach in and unpack everything. Yeah. Why was I holding on to all of that? The I'm gonna just call it black trauma. I don't even know. I don't even, I don't know where it started. And the only thing that's going to help me unpack that is some kind of counseling. I, I applaud that. I think I do a lot because of sports and Brandy, like with human yeah. optimization type stuff. And there is such a stigma around counseling. And I really, I have noticed this oh, particular around black and brown communities. And I, I mean, I'm white, so I don't, maybe I, I, yeah. don't see, I don't normally see that, but I've seen, I mean, there's stigma around therapy in general, but as an athlete, you go, you find a coach to get better. Yeah. You don't just walk on the field and be like, I'm going to be yeah. better today. Like I, I don't. It's in my world a lot, so it's more normalized to me, but yeah. therapy, any money I've ever spent on coaching or life cou mm -hmm. counseling or whatever, best money I've ever spent in my life and best mm -hmm. time and energy I've spent because yeah. even as evolved humans and educated and in touch, what have you, there's always places of trauma um, that you have to unpack. That's our human nature, I think, to hang on to protect ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, I would never understand that of a colored person, but I would, I would think of how could there not be trauma around that? How could yeah. that not exist? Yeah. And you know what? And for the stigma for the black community, I'm going to be honest because I don't even know, I don't know why we stereotype having freaking help, like mental health. But for some reason, I'm thinking maybe, maybe a lot of, um, let's just go back to, I guess maybe slavery days or, you know, after, you know, post-slavery or something, but the black people just it, with the privacy and not telling folks what your business is. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know why the heck people stigmatize having therapy because it is something we need and it's easier um, it's easier to talk about our issues to strangers anyways, because then they can, they can offer, you know, points on life that you probably hadn't thought of because when you're in it, you're in it, you're too close to it to see, you know, everything else that is actually happening or why you even built up to this point. But someone on the outside looking in, it's easier for them to take what you've provided and unpack that and give you a different perspective on life to say, wow, did you ever think that maybe this happened because of that? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. And we do, as a people, we need to find coaches or therapists, um, life strategists, whatever, to help us. Yeah. Because the same way as, an, as a former athlete, the same way athletes train on a daily, monthly, yearly basis for optimal, um, optimal uh, uh, achievements, right? You have, your brain is, it's a muscle, you should want to protect your brain. 
Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's mental health. Yeah. So we need it. We I, I think people need to embrace that therapy, anything like that, where it's just about you, that's a luxury. That's a privilege. That like to sit luxury. there and really we just think about ourselves all the time. Uh, right. Yeah. None of us do. And I, I will say that's one cultural through line. Yeah. I think every situation, I mean, white people are in all the therapy. Maybe that's one thing we can help destigmatize. I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, I, actually even that, I think there's like, there's stigma there. Like when I go to my parents, I'm like, you know, you could talk to someone they'd be like, oh, what? What are you saying? I'm like, oh, okay. Like, can we have some? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, actually, I am. Stigma is. It's being branded crazy. It is. I know. And that's a heavy word to lay down, but yo, everyone's family has some crazy in it. Like, I don't Funny, care who you are. Let me, right. <laughs> Just being honest. Go to anyone's holiday situation, whatever you celebrate, and oh, certain aunt comes, uncle, cousin, like someone has that human in some side of the family yes. that's just the most. And, yes. you know, I mean, it might be me, <laughs> but, you know, but it's, it. it is. Well, I want to be sensitive to your time. I, I really appreciate your time and energy. Um, it, there's so much, I mean, it's such a heavy conversation and just like the therapy and human and individual evolution. Mm -hmm. I hope these conversations happen. I'm so glad to hear that you're amongst all these other accolades. You're a podcaster. So your voice is out there. I think it's deeply powerful. And now you're influencing our younger generation in addition to yes. being a mom with your little human. Um, are there any parting words that you want to leave us with? <sighs> um, yes. I want to talk to white people and just ask you, how did you feel when you saw what happened last Wednesday? Is there something you can do about your own white privilege? Um, have your perspective changed about who are protesters and who are thugs or who are domestic terrorists from what happened on Wednesday? I, I just want, I just want to sit that in white America's lap. And for Black people, I want to say to you that what happened Wednesday, number one, it isn't our fight. That's number one. It is not our fight. But is there a way that you can start to heal yourself? And maybe starting that process is, is what we talked about with um, Kristen is through therapy, finding a way to heal yourself, starting by healing your own family and then reaching out to heal your community, finding different resources that you can put back into the community because we all know that we're stronger and better together. And so I, um, I'm so honored that Kristen invited me on to turmeric and tequila. I mean, this has been so exciting and I'm glad you allowed me to come on here and just, you know, speak my truth. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm in. No, my, my pleasure. And uh, I have a deep, deep space of gratitude for you, your mission, you as a human, I just, what's your, just you being yourself, yeah. let alone being on the mic and what you do. I, I, I said this to one of my friends, I think simply out of everything we saw Wednesday, I think the good people in this world, regardless yeah. of how you look or what, how you identify or anything Mm -hmm. will rise to find a way to continue to do better in their own way. Like I really, Absolutely. I, I think that the good humans the top always rises to the top. Yes. You know, it always does. Um, but the only problem is to, is to rise to the top. We need more people who are going to stand together to drown out the minority negative yes. period. 
Yes. Yes. And you know, that minority will always get the front page, the most news and what have you. Um, yeah. I did want to know if, if people mm-hmm. are open to therapy, I'm by no means a doctor uh, or a lawyer, but we got one. Uh, you know, there's, there's dig into it. Cause there's things now you can do on yeah. apps where you don't have to be like in front of somebody. Kind of yeah. There's groups, yeah. there's hotlines you can call. I mean, there's, and look into multitude therapies, exercise, you know, group coffee, or I, I don't know, oh, but yeah. I, I'm with you. I think that self-care and that self-awareness, I really do think that is step one for everyone. Everything. And starting to see and address your own truths. Uh, where where do we find you? Give us all the, the oh books, the, the legs. Y'all can find me so many different places. <laughs> I want to start with JoJo's Legal Adventures because if you are looking for anything legal related for kids, this is your only resource. And I'm not talking about like teenagers, kids, legit kids. Um, go to jojoslegaladventures.com that's the website you can follow us on facebook and instagram at jojo's legal adventures for what are you sporting about which is my brand supporting educating and motivating professional athletes and business to their next level you can follow us on instagram and facebook at what are you sporting about and for my firm instagram facebook linkedin you can follow us at sl debaros law that is the place where I represent individual six and seven figure businesses and professional athletes in business through business, employment, sports, and entertainment. So holla at your girl. Uh, Varsity humans, everybody raise your game. Did you just hear that list? You're out here. I, girl. I, I love it, man. I hope you get some sleep at some point. Baby, let me tell you, I'm, I already told you, like I stress myself out because I, I fear dying and not having achieved anything. I know it seems so weird. It's like, why are you trying to rush yourself in the grave? And I promise I'm not. <laughs> Just read your LinkedIn page every once a month and you know that you have shit that's on, uh, you're documenting. You could take a load off. Holy cow. Hey, I don't know what to say. God bless your husband. Cause he's probably, he's gotta be like vacation time, please. Like let's breathe. Well, every time I ask him to read something, look at something, listen to something, he's like, <laughs> he like, must be a, that about now yeah he must yeah. be a fit patient human which god bless he, is. he yes. really is <laughs> well i appreciate you please keep in touch and uh, i, I say this if there's any way i'm so here for all my fellow athletes my fellow podcasters i adore this community if there's any way i can help your cause or yes. promote or whatever i, I think the, have you on my podcast let's do it I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll commit yeah you let me know okay. when okay we'll Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.